everyone, and welcome to another special Dead Center edition of the Cinematropolis Radio. I'm your host, Caleb Masters. Today, we'll be talking to the director and stars of one of Dead Center's most anticipated films, Mickey Reese's Alien. You've always been a special boy, Elvis. You'll always be special. The first few years of my marriage to Elvis Presley were a whirlwind. A fever dream that ended in the destruction of my heart and soul. Elvis has been under a lot of pressure lately. Hasn't really been feeling himself. What if I just pulled that trigger and I ended it all right here? You know, sometimes I go to sleep and I start to dream about the future and then I can't tell if it's the future or the past. Elvis. Yes, baby. I just want you to love me. I've been seeing visions. Some brought out in the sticks thinks she's got your baby in her. I owe it to that baby child to find out whether it's mine to nurture Grow. You ain't having no baby child out of wedlock. It's your image that we're concerned about. I don't give a damn about no image. What are you gonna tell Priscilla? Well, I'm ready. I'm ready to be a daddy. You never heard of Jailhouse Rock? No, sir. Heartbreak Hotel? No. What about Love Me Tender? Everybody knows that one. I know you, Elvis. I know when you get that look in your eye. That's natural. Conveyed through sensual black and white photography, brooding musical compositions, and wry humor, Mickey Reese's Alien is a rumination on spirituality, space, and divine existentialism inspired by the later years of Elvis and Priscilla Presley's tumultuous marriage. So we're joined by writer-director Mickey Reese. Welcome to the Cinematropolis Radio. Hi, how's it going? And we're also joined by the star, Jacob Snowville, who stars as Elvis Presley. Welcome. Thank you. And of course, we're joined by the lovely Kate Jones, who stars as Priscilla Presley. Hi. Hello, everybody. Welcome. It's all good to have you around the table tonight. Elvis films. You know, we were talking a little bit off air about how there's there's not really a lot of them, and, and you're focusing specifically on a, a, a certain period of Elvis's later years after he'd already fallen out of mainstream success, uh, out of the spotlight, if you will. So could you tell me a little bit about what inspired you to start writing this project? I've thought about this question, and I don't have... An answer for it. <laughs> um, Just came to you in a dream. I don't know. Jake, go with like maybe your interpretation of it, and then I'll be able to pick up on that. Um, I think Mickey reaches out into the infinite space of artistic endeavors and just pulls things out of there. And so, uh, <laughs> yeah, out of infinite space, it really like, I don't know. There's, there's all of these Elvis and, uh, not really Elvis, but things centered around Elvis's like, uh, core group of people. There's plays now of, what was it? Star records. Uh, Sun, Records. Sun Records, sorry, my bad. Uh, Sun Records play. There's a Sun Records TV show. There was, you know, uh, Nixon and Elvis movie that came out. It's all coming out at the same time. Mickey just somehow caught on to that and started calling people, going, "Hey, I didn't catch on to that. I didn't know that." Well, I know I'm that's what I'm saying. Right out, somehow oh, okay. you're you're <laughs> tapped into this little you know artistic thing um, that's happening. I know that there was the Michael Shannon movie, yeah, but we were already making our movie. Right, you when started. Saw, you basically just started calling people, going, "What if we make an Elvis movie?" Yeah, and then I was like, <laughs> "Oh, there's a Michael Shannon Elvis movie," yeah. but you right. know, that's that's different because it's Richard. Oh Nixon. yeah, oh, well yeah, absolutely. Um, I was like, "But he doesn't look anything like Elvis." <laughs> when I was a kid, my mom watched the John Carpenter's Elvis on TV, and it was like a, a mini series that played like multiple nights. You know, one of those like they play an hour of it, maybe it's three hours long, and then like a three hour, yeah, it's like three hours. Mm-hmm. So it was like three different nights of it, and I remember watching it, 
and I always thought like that's the Elvis movie like that's Elvis you know um and then uh I remember the image of Kurt Russell basically like brooding in all black looking like Batman you know he was like a, a superhero before he shot the TV and something I don't know why but I just thought about it and I was like hey I want to buy that Elvis movie and uh, then I looked it up, and I was like, oh, it was directed by John Carpenter, and it was Kurt Russell, because like, I didn't remember it because I was a kid. And then you found out, no, you, you weren't wrong as a kid. It was actually an awesome movie. Yeah, it was it's really, really great. It's amazing. And I was like, we got we to gotta do, do something that. like yeah, that. Yeah, and uh, there's definitely a lot of influence from John Carpenter's Elvis. Excellent. Well, that's, that's kind of the, the best kind of uh, Elvis, um, I would say. John Carpenter, of course, has a really distinct, excellent aesthetic. I definitely get that, that vibe, especially from uh, early Carpenter. Jacob and Kate, whenever Nick, Mickey says, all right, we're, we're doing the Elvis movie, how did you guys a- approach those roles? Did you say, hey, I've, I've got this great Elvis impression, or maybe he, he pitched you, oh, we're going to do a weird Elvis movie. Let's start with you, Jacob. Like, What kind of did you do to prepare for the role? First, I tried to give it to someone else. <laughs> I was just, uh, you know, terrified, really, because, you know, you're taking on this iconic character that everybody really has their own idea of who Elvis is and what he was like. And I had my own idea, and that was basically the 50s version of him in the, you know, gold suit. And then I had this other idea that he was this sad, old, fat, uh, fat guy, <laughs> you know, just jumping around on the stage. And so I thought, well, I can't play either one of those. I'm not going to gain weight for a role again <laughs> like I'd done before. So when it came down to there was no other choice, but I was going to have to play Elvis. I was like, all right. So I dug in. Yeah, we didn't have the money for the other guy. <laughs> <laughs> I started um, uh, I started digging into the only Elvis, well, all of Elvis, but then I found a little pocket in the 60s that I that he was my age. Um, and uh, he was uh, basically stuck between a dead pop star and what he would become later. And um, I don't know, I found some some sort of kinship in that, I guess. But I started um, trying to get away from the impersonation because I couldn't do an impersonation of him, and I didn't want to either. I didn't want it to be a cartoon or a character. So I started listening to him talking in like radio interviews when he's tired and he's, you know, going on about the possibility of him finding love one day in his life and having kids and settling down and he's just sitting there talking. Beautiful recordings. Yeah. Yeah. And and it's, you know, very intimate. Yeah. I had to search really hard to find this stuff. And um, so I said, oh, that's where I can hear his real voice. And that's what I'm going to go for, especially because he immediately said, or Mickey immediately said that uh, it's John Carpenter's uh, and Kurt Russell's version of Elvis. It was like, oh, okay, dark and brooding. This will this will work great. And this idea of the existential meltdown um, happening is is kind of perfect in that as well. What about? Priscilla Presley. I don't know if there's nearly as much. I mean, she. I don't think you know she wasn't a, the the public figure, so I'm sure there wasn't as much documented about her. So, Kate, like, what are, what were some of the challenges of researching her character? I read her book, and then there was there was some type of like TV movie that they made um, about her, and then I watched like the Elvis movies, and her role was always like really small and played very annoyingly i don't know I, I didn't really like the way that she was portrayed in any of them like after i watched her interviews i watched 
a lot of um, her like special with Barbara Walters and her just talking about Elvis and TV interviews and stuff. And I don't know. She um, seemed like a very subdued person. I don't know that she really showed her true self in any of the interviews. So it was really challenging to decide like, okay, well, I guess I could mimic her, but I don't know if that's really her that I'm looking at when she gives those interviews and talks about Elvis. But I just pretty much, I mean, I read the book and I found ways that I could relate to her that way. And then when all the other characters started coming together and we started seeing how big they were and um, doing like table reads and stuff and seeing the way everybody was going to play their roles, it was pretty clear that I couldn't uh, do a mimic like imitation of her because it would just be, she would just be like another boring Priscilla portrayal you know and I didn't want to do that to her I mean I'm sure like if I met her in person she'd be like what the fuck did you do that is nothing (laughs) like me but at least it's not just another boring like annoying portrayal of her just being some like needy Elvis groupie but I don't know we just played her subdued nature to like well you captured that that one line you say uh uh, crushed my soul you know the the marriage with elvis mm-hmm. led to the destruction of my heart and soul yeah i just kind of took like the way she, i think she would have felt emotionally being with someone and not feeling like a human being and then amped it up to 11 to where nice. it was uh matched the level of all the rest of the characters very cool. And so she's a major player in this flick, unlike, you know, most of the other Elvis films. Was that pretty exciting for you guys to be able to explore some territory that hadn't been seen on a, on a film before? I think so, for sure. I mean, you know, I certainly knew that I wasn't going to be able to pull off Elvis's music, which is done over and over and over again anyway. And to get into the actual marriage and what's going on, you know, behind closed doors and and just after finding out how weird Elvis was in the first place and the fact that he, I mean, he basically raised Priscilla in in some ways and then to marry her after she's been in his house for such a a weird time that nobody's, everybody's just scared to explore that because they're, you know, there's a lot of fandom uh, fandom well, yeah. stop, I mean, they uh, probably can't negative light yeah yeah yeah, yeah. um like the elvis estate yeah the elvis estate <laughs> would go after it if, yeah. if it's not clearly you know in the fair use arena that was ultimately the reason why i felt like i could actually play elvis because it was something new and because it was um something that nobody has really gotten into so much and and i saw um kurt russell you know touch on it just a little bit and the way he did it was just incredible i thought i want to do that for an entire movie the other thing that i find really interesting about this film outside of this just really unique take on elvis is now this this is a period piece uh, shot in oklahoma we don't get a whole lot of those that that come through here Uh, can you talk a little bit about some of the the challenges that came along with actually filming a period piece and maybe some of the fun you guys had with that as well uh zero Zero challenges. It's, you know, it's um, all shot like high contrast, black and white. It's mostly indoors. There's probably, you know, two or three outdoor scenes. And the places that we uh, shot in are not in the 60s at all. I mean, it doesn't look 60s at all, but it's just so dark and black and white. You can't really, you know, tell. But I think 
anybody who has a problem with any of the setting, any of the locations and stuff not looking 60s, I think, like, midway through the movie, they're going to be like, oh, who cares? Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like, this movie is so far gone already anyway, so <laughs> who cares about the location? That's kind of cool. Well, you kind of create, I mean, because this is not necessarily a historical biopic, right? So that kind of fits this kind of weird alternate reality. Yeah, we just created our own, like, world. Yeah, I was trying as hard as I could to keep everything to that 60s version of of Elvis, but there's not a ton of that. There's not those iconic 60s outfits as much as there are 70s and 50s. And uh, Mickey just kept throwing more stuff at me like, no, no, this, this, this is what you got to be. And I was like, it doesn't make sense for him to wear it right now. And he's like, it doesn't matter. It really doesn't. So I had to be able to, yeah, that was a challenge for me. I had to be able to justify in my mind, why is he wearing this? And I actually got to the point where I could. <laughs> the Some of the, um, I mean, you know, you might find like a light switch or something that's like, that's not from the 70s. Or from the late 60s, whatever we were shooting in. Yeah, we had, um, to get cars, we had a um, a group from uh, Newcastle, some guys with some old cars, yeah. come and park outside the house and, and let those, us drive the car. Those are all Elvis's cars. Yeah. <laughs> nice. That That's super cool. Now, uh, you guys shot, like, was this mostly shot, like, in a single location? It was, like, at a house, right? Was that, like, where a majority of the film was shot at? A majority, yeah. There's 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 other locations for sure, but yeah, like the first probably forty minutes of the movie, or no, probably not that much. Thirty minutes of the movie are probably like in his, you know, Elvis's mansion. Very cool. And so, did you guys just go find like like a like a mansion? Did you have to? I don't know. What were some of the challenges that came with that? Um, when we did the Seed and Spark campaign, this fella Al Mertens, who's um, he's actually. Uh, making a movie called Lord Finn right now. He's a, also a director around town. Anyway, super sweetheart. He uh, said, hey, I might uh, have... I was like, I don't think this Elvis movie is going to happen, man. There's no way that we're going to find a location. And he's like, I think I might have something for you. And then he went and introduced me to this uh, doctor named Ron Suter. And uh, dude was like, please come shoot in my house. And so we've actually, you know, become really close with him. He's like family now. And, you know, we just spent three straight nights in his house and we still go over there and like party and go to sleep over there very cool nice it was like a familiar location that's kind of you've actually been able to spend some more time in which is really cool probably for you guys i Mm. mean seeing as i feel like the the house was such an important set right i know especially specifically for priscilla who sounds like she spends spent most of her time kind of locked away in the house right Mm. i think all my scenes were in the house no the um the 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 salon but uh, Priscilla really is the one who sells it, I think, for the 60s because her hair and, and just all the dresses and all the stuff that came up with the makeup even, it looks like the queen of rock and roll. Yeah. We had some killer um, wardrobe people and bad grannies just loaned us tons of awesome shit. So it was great. Mickey... You've, you've already talked a little bit about how this is not set in actual history. At what point did you make that decision where you wanted to chase that rabbit and kind of go into your own version of history with Elvis? Well, you see, it's a common misconception because there are three characters in the movie that are fictional and everything. And there's one like situation. But other than that, everything, every character and every Everything that they say and do and all the things that happen are completely historically accurate. 
maybe not say necessarily, but definitely. Well, we don't know what they were saying. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, but these all these events occurred. These events occurred. There were stories. This there's actual stories that we say that happened. Yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah. <laughs> so did, did that have you you guys doing a lot of when you're writing the script? Did you do a lot of research on on all these events? I mean, because I'm sure that's pro, especially something that happened so long ago. I'm sure it's very interesting research having to track conversations from certain people and interviews and TV inter, TV and radio radio interviews. It seems like there's a lot of a lot of digging. Did that take a lot of time? And how'd you go about that? All on YouTube. Yeah, it's all on YouTube. <laughs> and uh, we even recreated uh, Joe Esposito's um, like interview with some what was it cbs or something i don't know that was on youtube and we recreated it with alex (laughs) wait so you recruit you actually recreated an actual interview yeah Uh that's fantastic yeah yeah i don't know why everybody thinks it's like not historically accurate it's like because it's completely (laughs) historically accurate every character is like straight from elvis mythology it's super cool. I like you're using the word mythology, isn't that, 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 that? See that that's where it gets really interesting though, because you're taking it like like there's a there's an idea of who Elvis is, right? And that's mm-hmm. would you say that your film is more about that than the actual his actual person like character study of Elvis, or are you talking telling? Story? I don't know that the two are uh, you know different. I certainly I certainly went for the real Elvis. No, I and, mean like you you go with what people say about Elvis and right. or what was actually happened with Elvis like what's the difference like mm. what what you know right now in 2017 yeah, what right. are we going to find <laughs> yeah that's uh, um, that's really interesting though I, I think it's important though that the Elvis at this point he we're starting far enough away from his actual life that he has been mythologized uh, a, a little bit and mm-hmm. so I think it's really interesting that you're telling the story of by all it sounds like by all accounts is pretty accurate it is. Um, whenever you're 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 making the film, how did you go about doing like the the casting process for some of the other folks? Uh, like maybe talk a little bit more about the other cast who aren't at the table today. I've uh, made a few movies before this one, and um, I have a lot of friends that are in them and that act and stuff. So the casting process is always like. How am I going to use this guy? How am I going to use this girl? How am I going to use, you know, whoever? Because I got to use them all because they're my family and I want to, like, include them, you know? So it's more like basically how we, you know, create the movie is, you know. Who we want to hang out with. Yeah, who we want to hang out with. (laughs) And, um, but I, I would think the only real, like, casting decision was Alex Sanchez. That was, um, because... You know, Kate and Jake were already in. Everybody else was already in. Um, and then uh, we needed someone for uh, Elvis's manager, and we didn't have anybody that looked like the real guy. I don't know. just dawned on me one day. I was like, oh, let's use Alex Sanchez. And they were like, who? <laughs> and I was like, he's like the best comedian around, man. He's hilarious. Yeah, he's great. Yeah, yeah, he's wonderful. And uh, so I called him up. I had um, hosted some of the... Um, and I hosted, or not hosted, I'm sorry, like judged, I guess, one, and uh, Alex won, because he was fucking hilarious. And so I thought about him, or I thought about him for some other role, and I said, hey, I'm a director in town, and, um, you know, I'd like you to come out to this, to our premiere broadcast, so you can see um, one of my movies, because I want to use you in something. And he came. And so then I just called him up one day, and I said, hey, we're going to do this Elvis movie, and I got this really good part for you. It's the best part of the movie, really, you know, it's it's like, and uh, 
and he was like, yeah, sure. And I was like, okay, we're probably not even going to make it, but you know, just, <laughs> just letting you know in, we case, need you, in case we do it. And we then, need to put your face against Joe Esposito's face so yeah. that people can see. <laughs> yeah. And then, um, and he was like, yeah, I'm all about it. And he was a champ, man. He showed up every, I mean, there was never any problem with Alex. He was great. Mm-hmm. My, my other question is going to be taken totally going other side of the, the spectrum here. I mean, the way this film is, is described is like kind of being this really existential film, uh, maybe vaguely philosophical, existential. Like, uh, are you drawn to those themes typically in your in your films, or is this like a big experimental? Like, you're, you kind of wanted to dive headfirst into something a little little different. Um. Well, I mean, I certainly watch films like that, but definitely have never made anything really of that nature um but, t-rex is kind of oh yeah philosophical oh, I forgot about t-rex yeah <clears throat> okay well i made one other, i made a okay so there's one movie but like um <laughs> with um but with elvis that's what makes him interesting is that yeah. he's always like you know thinking and talking about <laughs> divine existentialism and you know about uh the, his right. purpose and things like that and so um that in order to you know uh portray elvis the way i wanted to he needed to have some kind of um, conflict like that where he was always wrestling with those uh kind of things you, yeah because you can hear it in all of his interviews where he's actually trying to talk like that it's and i'm drawn to that certainly so for me it was like this if it doesn't have this in it then then i don't know what i'm doing here <laughs> which is a little bit existential in, in and of itself but um uh, it, yeah, I mean, just the more research you you do on Elvis, the more you realize he's just he's <laughs> bizarre. Bizarre. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I read in uh, Priscilla's book about how like everybody knew that he did gospel albums and that he was you know believed in God and all that and Bible study and stuff. But there was like a very interesting time where he read like metaphysical books and was like mm-hmm. studying spiritualism and had like a spiritual advisor. And then like there was who was one, his hairdresser? His hairdresser, Larry, his hairdresser yeah, was his spiritual advisor. Point. He had like a Bible study in like his basement, and it was all just like chicks in tight sweaters, and he was <laughs> trying to like teach them about the Bible. Sunday school <laughs> with Elvis. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's like a, yeah, like a really strange kind of out there. Mm-hmm. Guy. Yeah. Oh yeah. What do you feel that this Elvis film brings to the table that the others have not? The other two uh, made-for-TV films. It's in black and white. Yes, <laughs> that's all. <laughs> it's completely bizarre compared to the other ones. I think. Well, uh, I mean, there's like plenty of bizarre Elvis movies. So like Bubba Hotep, but it's not that bizarre. Well, I mean, it's it, does, it's, it doesn't get as bizarre as Bubba Hotep. <laughs> <laughs> but that's not really an Elvis movie necessarily, but. I mean, yeah, I mean, that is like nobody, everyone's precious with, with Elvis and Priscilla and nobody really like goes for it. Except for Bubba Hotep. Okay. But our movie is nothing like Bubba Hotep. I think it's kind of far out there, like in sort of a cult classic, like kind of way. Yeah. It could, it would be uh, an interesting movie without it being uh, about Elvis. That's, that's the thing. Like you could replace it with normal people and, and I don't think it would catch as many people's attention necessarily, but it it would be just as enjoyable and interesting and all of that. I disagree. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) 
Well, I think we're about out of time today. But before we go, can you let our listeners know where they can follow you or Alien online? Mickey Reese on Facebook. Just and me. I got Messenger and everything. And uh, <laughs> on Facebook, Fall Films ENT page, uh, Fall Films ENT Twitter and Instagram. I mean, yep. Oh, yeah, those are we ways have, we to have those. track all the extra goings on. Yeah. <laughs> or just follow Mickey Reese on uh, YouTube. Yeah, um, and I'm on all the all the medias as Jacob Ryan's novel and Jace novel. So Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Very cool. Thanks, Jacob. Kate, where can people find you online? I am Bodacious Joe on Instagram and Twitter. Don't add me on Facebook. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Fair enough. Ladies and gentlemen, Mickey Reese, Jacob Snowball, and Kate Jones. With a C. With a C. This interview of the Cinematropolis Radio was hosted, written, and produced by Caleb Masters. Today's music was from John Carpenter's single, Vortex. This has been a Cinematropolis Radio podcast from thecinematropolis.com. To hear more about more episodes of the Cinematropolis Radio, make sure to head on over to Twitter at Planet Thunder or give Planet Thunder Productions a like on Facebook. You can also find Caleb on Twitter at CMastersTalk. Thank you so much for tuning in.